the blast from our past network. Codrite! Codrite! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! Nothing for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans bringing you every single episode of Seinfeld because we are two super duper fans. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And I just lied to you because we're not going to give you every single episode because we're going to stop right here because this is Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Why would we go farther than the Cartwright episode? We've made it to the fucking Chinese restaurant, baby. Our namesake, dude. This is our namesake. <laughs> Cartwright. 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 We're just going to say that a hundred times. <laughs> Uh, so uh, can i just say right at the top dude mm-hmm. just right at the top this episode is amazing you can and i i'm kind of surprised you say that because i believe it was in like our first episode it was, it's on our early episodes you talk about you do not like the episodes that do not appear around monks and in jerry's apartment and you don't like the ones that don't have all four of the gang members and this is this has two of that. You are a hundred percent correct, but you know what I love more than anything? I love movies and I love stories that take place in one location. I don't care mm. if it's twelve angry men and it's just in a in a in a jury courtroom thingy. I don't care. I love one locations and and this and besides that, dude, the the writing in this is amazing. Yes. So, dude, yes, yeah, Let's, and, and, and we'll, you're we'll try and save some for the yeah. <laughs> finishing comments, but. but but real quick, let me address you are correct about both of those things, but everything about this episode outweighs both of those things. So let's get into it. Yeah, valid, valid. Okay, so this episode, entitled The Chinese Restaurant, uh, Season 2, Episode 11, aired on May 23rd, 1991. And Mr. Corey, would you please give us the synopsis? Yes, sir. The Chinese Restaurant. Before seeing the classic B-movie Plan 9 from Outer Space, Jerry, Elaine, and George decide to get dinner without reservations at a Chinese restaurant. They spend the next 30 minutes trying to get seated by the enigmatic maitre d'. Okay, alright, and that's it. Nothing nothing wild in that synopsis, but I have a feeling we're going to get some more wild things happening when we go through our scene-by-scene breakdown. Quick question, would you call the maitre d' enigmatic? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> okay, I feel like they they had a word count that they had to like fill on that write up or something. <laughs> yeah, extremely non enigmatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. Uh, all right, we start off with a stand up bit per usual with a lot of Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> yeah, this stand up is not quite relatable in 2019, but I found it to be very funny. So Jerry talks about how hey. You ever, you know, make a, a payphone call and then you go over your time limit and so you hang up and then the the phone company calls back looking for their money. And so the bit is, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you, you make them wait a couple rings, you know, <laughs> let them sweat a little bit. And then you pick up the phone and you're and then they start asking for the money. And he's like, you got them right where you've always wanted them. You're like, you hear that? He taps the, the quarter against the mic or whatever. And he's like, I got the money right here for you. But, you know, you're not getting it. And. 
again, it's not at all relatable to to this day Mm -hmm. and age. And I can't barely remember ever using a payphone. And I was born in 78. So I I don't, I think I've used maybe five payphones in my life. And I did not even know that if you went over that they called the payphone back to ask for their money. I mean, my God, talk about an exercise in futility. Who the hell even paid? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That is weird. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it kind of went over my head uh, that entire thing and just, I'm with you. It was a very dated and and not nearly, uh, you know, a a good classic Seinfeld stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the crowd seemed to dig it. So it must have been something that, you know, was, I guess, relatable at the time and and what, (laughs) 1990 or something, but not, not 2019. That's for sure. No. (laughs) True. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Once we get into the episode, we begin with Jerry, Elaine, and George walking into a Chinese restaurant for dinner, uh, and they're talking about cops and just kind of the random random discussion stuff that they're talking about that they do they do this all the time and right at the top right when they walk through the door there's a gentleman uh screen right so it'll be their left uh it's a tall gentleman we we pointed him out in the episode uh what was it the deal where where jared with the jerry had to buy the card for elaine's birthday and um he was there Mm. as well so that gentleman is michael richard's uh, lighting stand-in guy and this is where ah. he is yeah it, which is ironic because michael richards is not actually in this episode mm-hmm. that is kind of funny that they would have the stand-in and not not the real yeah. michael richards <laughs> exactly so but yeah it, he's he's right there and he's there when you leave too so you can you can check him out both times nice uh so uh our maitre d comes up as they're you know, trying to to get to talk to him, and it, who is it? Fuck yes, it is James Hong who plays uh, the maitre d at this restaurant, this fine establishment. And we all know. I hope we all know James Hong. At least Corey and I know James Hong. Uh, most famously, he played Lo Pan in Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, he will always be Lopan to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so and he was so good in Balls of Fury. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, once. I want to say once, and then I promptly purged it from my memory. <laughs> uh, I wasn't a massive Balls of Fury fan. Well, I, I think it's worth seeing just for James Hong. He is hilarious in it. He's the best part of it, probably. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would bet that he is fantastic. Yeah. So. Uh, we have a couple things going up. You know, they have, uh, you know, their their party of four that they're looking for, even though it's just three of them right now, because George is uh, waiting for this girl, Tatiana, that he's been talking to. You know, things are seemingly dicey with her, but, you know, he's hoping that she will come. Uh, and, you know, the maitre d' says, oh, it'll be five to ten minutes. Not that big. You know, uh, already Elaine's kind of feeling a little skeptical just because she wants to, you know, eat and they want to try and make this movie. Which is, you know, this is a big deal, a driving force, you know, in this episode of them trying to eat and Elaine's hunger is also a driving force of it. <laughs> and of course, the movie is Plan 9 from Outer Space, which was a yes. big, like, sci-fi movie from the the 50s or 60s uh, by Ed Wood. And, you know, it's billed as the worst movie of all time. And of course, you know, Jerry wants to see it. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, nowadays we live in streaming services, yada, 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 but mm. that's 
back, mm-hmm. you know, back then, uh, the 80s and the 90s, a lot of times if you wanted to see a movie, like if you'd never seen Plan 9 or something, probably wasn't on VHS. Like you have to just see it when someone shows it. And uh, so, yeah, exactly. that, that is the clock. The ticking clock of this episode is them trying to get to that. Yeah. And I mean, speaking about that movie, we kind of also hear Jerry had to lie to his uncle because his uncle had like this, you know, get together at his place. And Jerry was like, no, man, I, I want to see Plan 9 from Outer Space. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to lie to my uncle um, and, you know, and I'm going to go see it. So so that's kind of implanted and that will come back for us as well. Simultaneously, George needs to use the phone. He doesn't really tell us just yet, uh, but he's trying to use this payphone. Similarly, Jerry has uh, is seeing this lady from across the restaurant. He's like, "Man, who the fuck is that?" He can't. He can recognize her, but he can't place her or her name. Um, we see people coming in, and they walk straight through. Uh, you know, they're they're just going getting seated right away. Um, this is a very hectic episode, but. For for an episode that lasts like just you know in one scene in one uh, entire location, it's it moves so quickly to me. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so much is constantly going on. There's multiple mm. conversations at the same time. You know, Jerry and yes. Elaine are having a conversation. George is having his own conversation about the guy's phone etiquette and everything. And uh, you know, apparently George, uh, you know, I, I don't know what payphone etiquette is uh but apparently you're not supposed to just have a full-on conversation on it you're supposed to just kind of use it for a few minutes and then kind of get a hold of a person and move on no 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 so george is a fucking douche Uh, I now you're not wrong there. You're not wrong. He's not a douche. But but really, like at a payphone, do you really think that this guy should be having like a 20 minute? Well, okay, it's not 20 minutes, but like a five minute conversation with somebody. I think he is entitled to it. The man paid his money. He got there first. (laughs) You know, uh, fuck George. George doesn't know what this guy's talking about. He can talk about whatever the hell he wants to. He paid for the phone. That's capitalism, baby. He got there first and he paid first. So fuck George. You're right. You're 100 percent right. That is capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it kind of you know it's not a socialist society where everyone gets their fucking two minutes and has to move on and share no 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 it's not a socialist society where people actually get seated based on how hungry they are <laughs> yeah exactly yeah which will come up uh that's another thing i think is complete and utter bullshit um so yeah elaine makes that exact comment like you know right about now because people are kind of going through and she says it should be yes as you put it it should be based on who not who comes in first but who Who's hungriest, which is just because she's hungry and that's it, which is utter bullshit, uh, but funny. I think yeah. it's a funny line. I think we can all relate to to it. We've all felt that mm-hmm. way before, and and we've all been hangry before. This was yeah. this was hangry before the word hangry even existed. I think this was Elaine is literally the Snickers commercial right now. This whole oh, episode, yeah. she's just <laughs> it's a downward spiral into madness for her, and I think we can all relate to that. Agreed. Uh, but because of you know her hungriness, uh, or because of her hunger. That she is basically like, oh, I could eat something off of somebody's plate. And so we get Jerry being just fantastic Jerry where he eggs people on. You know, he's kind of like – he's almost like a – I wouldn't say innocent bystander, but he's he's a friend who is going to make bets with you. He's kind of like – he likes to poke. Yeah. You know, and he likes to stand back and poke. And here, uh, you know, he's he makes a bet with her that he'll give her 50 bucks to do exactly that, to just go up to somebody's table, uh, eat an egg roll off their plate, and just walk away. And I mean, this is something that friends do with each other. And I find that very relatable. You know, we do that kind of shit. You know, not all of us have 50 bucks to to drop on bets like this. 
But I've definitely done stupid shit work because people say, I'll give you five bucks if you do this. You know, if you chug this thing of mayonnaise or, do you know, put this stupid thing on your head or whatever the fuck it is. I don't even remember. I've done stupid shit just because it's like one to be funny and two to like grab a couple extra bucks. So I don't know. I just found that whole thing very relatable. I completely feel the same way. We've all sort of done that. I think that's why you and I love Seinfeld so much because we sort of are sort of similar. Even though we didn't grow up together, we kind of like egg each other on. We kind of like, we're mm-hmm. kind of the antagonistic sort of friends, you know? We still yeah. care, care about our friends, but we're a little <laughs> bit antagonistic. Um, I did just look up online because I was curious, and $50 in 1990 is about the equivalent of $93 now. So that's actually actually a pretty decent amount yeah yeah i would take that yeah man for for 93 dollars, i'd put my face in their soup and blow (laughs) yes yes i totally yeah dude george's look on his face when when she's like you know george would you do this he's like for 50 bucks (laughs) yeah and then he says that but i get it man 50 bucks was 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 almost a hundred dollars back then so that's a big big deal (laughs) and i love when, when lane eventually goes over there to actually do, quote unquote, try to to do the thing yes. that Jerry wants him to do. She's trying to like barter with the old people. Like, yeah. I'll give you twenty five dollars if you let me do this. Yeah, yeah, I know. She there's a there's a couple of funny things in here. One, I want to call out that I think it's it's particular that Jerry is antagonizing Elaine to do this because Elaine is an upstanding citizen. She's a nice person, or you know, not an always a nice person. No, no, I'll take that back. But she is fairly upstanding. She's a lot more. She's class and grace if you will i think she has some grace george has no grace and that's why jerry would never make this bet with george because he knew george would fucking do it because he's he's a frugal bastard who would do anything for that but elaine not so much and so it's all that much more funnier when you can make those kind of friends do stupid shit and that's why i think it's perfect you know why he's you know putting so much money on the line for her not with george but um, so as you put it, yes, uh, you know, she's trying to barter with these people. Uh, did you pick out that like m- definitely some of the voices used on of the old people was Larry David? Oh, I, I, I didn't know. I did not pick up on that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you go back and listen to like the, you know, when they're at the table kind of talking, what? What'd she say? That kind of shit. It's 100 percent. Larry <laughs> David is one of the voices. So I think it's fucking perfect. I love how Larry David inserts himself just like, you know, via like ADR and whatnot throughout the mm-hmm. throughout the entire course of this series, pretty much, uh, you know, sans uh, one season later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it doesn't work for Elaine. She comes back and <laughs> she just kind of has to be in defeat, but it's funny. Uh, the guy gets off the phone and George just kind of like rushes over there. But this other lady grabs it and is there quicker because she was closer to it. And so she got it. And George just, you know, he is an utter, I don't know, not to say for for not for be, not saying a better word. He's a bitch about it. Uh, and he's complaining to her about saying that he was there first and he was standing right there. One, which is complete and utter bullshit. He was not standing right there. He was on the other side of the room. Uh, and so I'm 100% with that lady. Yeah. I, I think George is, you know, he wasn't, he got out of line. And so you lose your fucking place. Yep. 100%. I agree with you there. If, if I'm a little bit not on your side with the first guy, uh, I'm, a, I'm 100% mm-hmm. on your side on this one. Uh, George was not there. And the lady even said, she goes, well, if you were, you'd be the one holding the phone. And I was like, yeah. that was just, I mean, that just <laughs> shut him down. That just destroyed him. He had nothing else after that one. He didn't. All he 
could do was walk away and complain. And we do get a good line from, you know, we're living in a society. Yeah. <laughs> we're supposed to act in a civilized way. He's such a douche. So complaining. But like, you know, it, it's a fun, I, I do like, you know, it's very George. <laughs> yeah. And that that line is something that gets quoted a lot. Like th- that that's one of those ones that, you, you know, you'll see show up as a meme or something. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty famous for the show. Oh, can you can you say uh, show up as a what again? As a meme? How do you pronounce it? It's meme. Meme. How the fuck you... <laughs> a meme? Oh a my meme. god! You, you're such a fucking nor'easter. Like oh, a meme. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking lost it. A meme? I had a friend oh. that called it a meme, so at least I didn't call no. it a meme. <laughs> God damn it. Who the fuck am I podcasting with? It's a meme. <laughs> it's a, a meme. God damn. Okay, all right. I'm going to move on. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, we get a good funny little joke here. As you know, as George is just bitching about like society and people being awful, uh, the original phone guy kind of walks by and uh, quickly apologizes for taking so long. And George immediately kind of crumbles. And you know, he doesn't really crumble in the sense that you know he he, he you know is is quiet or whatnot. He just crumbles as in like he falls into what society should do and say oh yeah it's not a problem like but even though he obviously is angry at the guy yeah and i just i found that funny that is very george to just crumble and like you know not be confrontational or 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 like talk about someone behind their back and then when there's a confrontation he's oh no 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 no," you know and uh it's completely Mm -hmm. shies away from it yeah that's that's george's character to a t and i think uh, that that interaction in this whole scene this whole episode just sums up george pretty pretty well yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so George ends up kind of telling Jerry, you know, this whole story with Tatiana, uh, you know, why he's been so nervous and, like, he wants to go talk to her because, you know, again, it's another girl that he's fucked up with. Uh, this time he fucked up because, you know, he needed a buffer zone between, uh, you know, where she was and his poop area, I assume either for sound or for smell or for whatever. Uh, and her apartment is very small. Um, and... You know, he wanted to, he, he could feel that there was an impending, what, in, intestinal situation, I think <laughs> yeah. he called it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so, as opposed to, I don't know, he's so fucking idiotic. <laughs> he stopped mid-coitus <laughs> to basically say, <laughs> because this was bothering him so much, you know, he didn't stop to poo. He stopped because just... He could feel it coming, and he didn't want to shit near her. Uh, and so he stopped mid-coitus and just left. And so obviously, you know, he feels like he fucked up with her, uh, which, you know, it, it, yes, of course he would have. Like, how the hell she would even, like, take his calls back, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't understand. Yeah, that's that's a bad situation and honestly one that I completely relate to George about. I mm-hmm. – dude, I, I, I don't know if I could, like – well, first off, you got to wonder what he ate for dinner that night. If you're going to be – hanging out with someone you're just starting to date you got to know what your stomach can sort of handle and you don't tr- you don't get anything that's going to make you have to poop like during mid-sex dude like like that's failure yeah. number one but 
like, and that's George's fault. He should have known better. But coming back to her place and having her bathroom, and he, he even says it's like it's not to the side. It wasn't to a cubby hole. It was like right there. And I've seen mm-hmm. apartments like that, especially like in L.A. and whatnot. And so I know that it's even worse in New York where like your bedroom could literally be right next to the toilet and they can hear everything. Oh, yeah. I still have a problem. Like if I have an explosive morning, I turn the water on so my wife doesn't have to hear it because I don't want her to look at me like you know differently, you know, like – when I'm sitting in there like dying and on the can, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're. But, this is this is how men think. Yeah, yeah, no, and so I totally get George's plight, but where I blame George is that he should have known his body and he should have planned ahead and not have yes. been in that predicament to begin with. He made a mistake at dinner time. That was his fault. I absolutely agree. Uh, I want to keep talking about buffer zone just because <laughs> I've got some stories too. Uh, so. I, I used to spend some nights with a, a lady friend in Santa Monica area, and she had a studio apartment, and it was awful. I mean, I never, I don't, I don't even remember if I had to, to poo at her place, but I didn't, I, I can't remember if I did. I didn't like it because it was, I mean, right by the bedroom, and it's just a tiny ass little studio, and it's just like you can hear everything. Like that's not, that is not fun. <laughs> and I would say even to today, if I feel like I'm going to have a rather raucous uh, <laughs> movement, if you will, <laughs> if I feel it's going to be exceptional uh, in one way or the other. Uh, I I go to, I go as much buffer as I can. I will, I prefer to go to another floor if I have one. If not, I will go to like the guest bathroom and go away, as far away from my wife as possible because yeah. <laughs> I like my privacy. I just don't want it also. I just, I want it to be, yeah, as as least invasive on her as possible. Yeah, I know, because, I mean, dude, we, as disgusting guys who like to drink and eat, we can make some <laughs> horrific noises in the bathroom. And, and I, don't, I just don't need my wife to, like, look at me any differently because she heard that. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. very true. So, uh, yeah, uh, so I, I do want to call it, I love this line, and I love maybe really – George's uh, just the the way he delivers the line is so he's talking to Jerry about you know just how insecure he is about shitting there and ha- having these excuses and his fantastic line to her to to George or to Jerry is um you know the only excuse she may accept is 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 if I am in fact Batman <laughs> uh, and I just saw the 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 bat signal or whatnot I don't know whatever it is that line always just kind of stuck out for me I, and I think it is mostly Jason Alexander's. Um, delivery of it I think it's just it's perfect yeah the, the the whole thing every the interaction how he delivers every line in this little you know little mini uh, monologue little bit of you know mm-hmm. back and forth but it, it's Jason Alexander's delivery he is just yep. boom 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 fantastic yep uh, so George eventually does get to the phone um, simultaneously what happens uh, this guy Mr. Cohen comes in with a party of four obviously he's a very I don't know, douchey regular, <laughs> just kind of like a guy who's, you know, constantly there and, uh, you know, just whatnot. Just, I don't know, not the kind the kind of guy I would hate to be around, honestly. Oh, he's a, he's, a, he's like a, a rich douchebag and he lives on yeah. Park Avenue, apparently. Yes. So uh, he immediately gets a table and the Mater D, you know, walks him in. Uh, and so obviously... Elaine and George or Jerry are like, you know, they're not fucking happy about it. They go talk to him. They're like, what the hell, man? Like, why did that guy go, go straight in? Uh, and we just get James Hong. He's so fucking good uh, in this 
role. <laughs> He's just very like just deadpan, uh, you know, just telling him, oh, no, 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 no. Mr. Mr. Cohen, he always here. And I, that that line is what fucking just kills me every time. <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. <laughs> so uh, George kind of comes back. Apparently Tatiana didn't answer. And so he's freaking out. You know, so he's all worried. He left a message for her to call the restaurant uh, and to, to have the guy, you know, you know, get a hold of him so he can talk to her. Um, that lady that Jerry couldn't remember comes up to him. Uh, and so now we get a fantastically awkward situation. Uh, and it, honestly, what's great about this situation, it's something that we've all been in every single one of us. And that's why I love this interaction. He cannot figure out who the hell this lady is. Uh, and you have to just see him dancing around it until eventually Elaine, uh, you know, mentions who she is and introduces herself. And then that lady has to introduce, and then Jerry kind of figures it out. Uh, and it's just, it is a really good interaction, in my opinion. Fantastic writing. Yes, and completely relatable. It, whenever I go to a party with my wife or whatever, I'm like, look, even if I've met this person before, you introduce yourself because there's a 99% chance I do not know their name. Because whenever I ask someone what their name is, I immediately stop listening. <laughs> it's it's the yeah. worst, it's the worst <laughs> character trait that I have have or at least one of the worst character traits that I have but I ask someone their name and I immediately forget right when they tell me so I suck at that and I am just like Jerry I'm like I can recognize faces and I'm like where the hell do I know that person from and I usually my fallback is usually guy what's up guy you know that's if Mm -hmm. I don't know your name (laughs) is that why you called me guy for like the first year that you saw me yeah man you're in my cell phone as guy Uh, but yeah, dude, and then uh, and I I like the fact that Elaine saved him. You know what I mean? Like I like that she yes. sort of like immediately went into that role because as much yeah we always say it as much as you know they they bicker they do whatever they're still friends they still get each other they still know what they need as a friend and she helped him out and that was I, I was like yeah mm-hmm. that that was a good little team up right there it was I agree uh, but apparently this lady works with Uncle Leo and now Jerry's all fucking you know worried that it'll piss everyone off because Uncle Leo. Uh, had this event that, you know, he was wanting Jerry to go to, which Jerry lied, said he was sick and couldn't go to it. And so now Jerry's like, oh, my God, it's going to set off this chain reaction uh, that's going to set these calls off. And did you catch that Jerry said, oh, my God, he's going to you know be talking to my aunt. My aunt's going to call my mother. My mother's going to call my sister, my sister to me. Jerry doesn't have a fucking sister. Oh, damn. I, I did not even hit that, dude. Good call. We I we've never heard about a sister, uh, you know, in all nine seasons. I don't believe I'm fairly certain, you know, Jerry is an only child, at least from all we've seen. Uh, And so maybe they were going to set something up later, but it never happened. It never happened in (laughs) in eight more seasons. But uh, I think they just decided not to go that route or there's just like a, you know, you know, yeah, interesting line. I just I called that. I was like, wait a minute. There's no sister. Yeah, no, I, I remember when I was watching it, I was specifically thinking, oh, this is all just solved via Facebook, you know? Like when you like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, oh, shit, what's it called? Check in. When you check in somewhere or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. this is all just say, Facebook problem. But but yeah, I completely missed the sister comment. That's good catch, buddy. Good catch on that one. Yeah. <laughs> we got you, Seinfeld. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. So because the time is now getting tighter, they're worried about... You know, making the movie, obviously, that's just a constant pressure of this episode. They need to hurry up to get uh, a table going. And Elaine's just like, you know, fucking slip the guy some money, you know? Uh, And we got to, I just, I love Jerry's line, like, 
a Chinese restaurant? Do they take money? <laughs> it's just idiotic. I also love it. It's just, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the dumb shit I say when I'm not really thinking. And it just, it's, it's really well, really well done. Yeah. No, that, that's an awesome, that's a great line. It's, it's one of those things where it makes you think for a second. You're like, what? Wait, why did he just say that? Oh, because he's not paying attention. <laughs> or he just like, he didn't think. Yeah. He's just like, wait a minute, what's happening? You know, yes. I love that line. It's, it's very, it's, Again, very relatable. That's why this show is fantastic because the stuff that they do is the crap that we do, you know? And mm. and you watch other sitcoms, and you're like, oh, I would never do that or whatever. But no, this is it. This is the shit that we would do. What, do a Chinese food take money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, George is obviously, you know, he's in his very cheapskate mode. Uh, they're going to give the guy 20 bucks, and George thinks that's too fucking much. You know, it's just, I don't know. If it, I love how everybody... It's fitting really well into their characters. Uh, you know, this is this is season two, and I feel like everybody is exactly who they're supposed to be in this episode. Yeah, and he's so. like he's like seven, seven, six, and then they look at him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to yeah. eat that much." He's, <laughs> and Jerry says, "I'm gonna, I'm counting your shrimp, buddy." Um, yeah, and and I think it was before it. Uh, this this episode's not hard to track, but it's hard to talk about because it's all in one setting. Um, but I love it's right before this when Elaine starts losing her shit. Um, mm. and, uh, she's like, and, and I think it's when they sat the Cohen people and she's like, where am I? Is this a dream? What, yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? And I, she just completely relatable with her just losing her shit over this. And I just love the fact that she's like, is this a dream? What the hell is happening? Yeah, I agree. Like it, there's, there's small lines that I haven't mentioned, but like ones that, I mean, because it does. It feels like it's a fucking bizarro world. And I'm surprised they didn't use the phrase bizarro <laughs> at some point, uh, just because it does kind of seem like that. Yeah, yeah. Although they, but, they save that for a very good reason for later. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Their bizarro episode so good. Uh, all right. So Elaine kind of is giving shit saying Jerry should do it. I do like that he pushes back on her and her... Uh, you know, feminist ways and be like, whoa, uh, I mean, I guess the uh, feminist movement hasn't gotten to bribery yet. And she's like, fine, fuck it, I'll do it. So she does it. She does a terrible job of uh, trying to get a table. It does not work at all. Uh, the Mater D sets some uh, some other four group to a table, which actually includes the lady from the phone from earlier. I see she saw she was one of them that was heading in. Um, but uh, you know, she comes back defeated and, you know, Jerry's like, all right, I'll get the money, which one for me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little too non-confrontational sometimes with that shit. I would never go and be like, give, give me the money back. Uh, I would just be like, well, we fucked that up there. Chalk that up for a loss. And I, and I would just be like, well, yeah, we tried, tried and lost. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I probably wouldn't have gone back for the money. Cause you're already mm-hmm. kind of doing something a little shady to begin with. Uh, but knowing that $50 is really a hundred dollars in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's probably what closer to like 20 bucks is probably closer 30, to yeah, 40 35. or something. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I can see why Jerry is like, all right, you know, yeah, I get that. I get that. So he tries up there. There's a good confrontation, or not confrontation, but a conversation between him and the Mater D. Uh, and they're just trying to, like, you know. They also play up the stereotype that James Hong, sorry, that the Mater D, being this Chinese guy, doesn't understand English fully. And so there are, there are kind of stereotypes with that in that humor. But honestly, I don't think it's played into a racial way. I think it's just, not in a, in a bad racial It's just it's just played up in a funny way in my opinion i don't know maybe maybe it's because i'm nostalgic about the episode but i think it's still fucking perfect yeah i'm 
I'm with you. I don't think that it was, it could have been a lot more racist than it was. I think that's the takeaway. Mm -hmm. This episode could have been a lot more racist, but I think they did a good job of not making it too racist, but it's still 1990. So there's still a little dash of racism in there. Well, I mean, at the same time, this is not, not to be racist. No, it's just the kind of shit people say before they're really racist. Exactly. No, but I'm just saying sometimes, you know, those are the things that happen you know people immigrants do come to america become americans they do start up restaurants sometimes i mean this kind of thing does happen you know i've been to a restaurant where i've you know gone to uh, a chinese restaurant or a thai restaurant or something and people don't speak english natively i don't blame them for that yeah. but sometimes there there are these conversations that humorously don't go the way you're expecting and i think you know that not to say they're not racist it's just it's a thing that happens and in in new york particularly i think there's a high chance of that happening because there's a lot of those kind of restaurants and a lot of immigrants have gone to new york so that's me trying to defend the the comedy of seinfeld (laughs) oh yeah i'm i'm 100 percent with you dude i'm especially like you know you you used to live in la uh you know you ever go down to like the the um the like downtown and everything. Yeah, yeah I've been um, to Chinatown. Yeah, Chinatown. I've been to Filipino town. Yeah. All the towns. And it's great. I lived in Koreatown for two years as well. Yeah. So like it, it's it's awesome. You can get some really great food and everything, stuff that you'd never normally get. But yeah, there is a language barrier and I mean, God bless them. I I can't speak another language. So God bless anyone who can speak their native language and yes. communicate with us, you know, Americans at the same time. Yeah. God bless them. So yeah, no, dude, I, I didn't I didn't think that this was racist at all no no, no. um i don't you know that being said i don't know if someone just watching it for the first time might have that feeling but i really don't think it is i i think they did a really good job of not making it racist and and just making it funny just making miscommunication funny it is uh and we end the conversation uh with the maitre saying oh it'll be about five to ten minutes when jerry's just like you know how much more time left and it's just it's funny obviously that was the same time that he mentioned at the very very beginning of the episode uh and and it feels like we're you know we're we're already been we've been in here for so fucking long because so much shit is already happening so well also watching the the making of this episode it's supposed to be in real time so they've already been like waiting for about i think 15 minutes at this point so yeah he he's he he's at this point he's the major d's kind of blowing smoke up their ass a little bit you know he's smiling of course i get the sense that he might be blowing (laughs) smoke up their ass just a smidge but just a smidge he's not he's not totally fucking him over but just a little Mm -hmm. bit he's like "Eh, i'm gonna just give these guys a A little little bit. bit of smoke up their butt i agree and i think that's what I think that's what makes you love the Mater D even more and just find him even funnier because you just I think you know he's just he's fucked him over just a tiny bit. Yeah, just <laughs> just a little bit. I'm gonna fuck you guys just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yes. Uh so they fight what to do. Elaine's like, fuck this, I wanna go to Skyburger and scarf it down. Uh and uh, simultaneously the Mater D is yelling for Cartwright. Cartwright! <laughs> Cartwright! <laughs> It's, and we hear this perfectly. <laughs> and George is looking. This is my favorite part. I love how George yeah. keeps looking back, and he's not even like the focal point of the conversation, even though he's in mm-hmm. the foreground of the camera. Um, but he keeps like looking back every time the Maitre D yells Cartwright. And I, I, I don't know. I just love uh, Jason Alexander's reaction. He just plays it great. He's like, he's like, because he has this feeling that something's wrong. He's like, I feel like something's wrong here. He keeps looking back. I love that part. Yes. Caught right. Yeah. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so he goes up to the Mater D to kind of ask, you know, if anybody has called for him because he has been so worried. 
But that intuition is was dead on uh, because the manager D just and again this commu- miscommunication humor. Uh, he said he yelled out Cartwright. Nobody answered. You know this was the call from that lady, and this just it just. George is just royally fucked with Tatiana now, uh, all because of this Mater D who, for some reason, called out Cartwright instead of Costanza. Uh, I, how the hell do you even get there? I don't know, but it's awesome. And how the hell did they write that? But it's fucking awesome. I know. I mean, it's the name of our podcast. We love it. Yeah. That's how much we love it. But, dude, I love what he says, uh, you know, he goes, well, was it Costanza? Or he goes, yes, that, that's it. Uh, nobody answered. <laughs> I tell her, you're not here. She said curse word. I hang up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he even he acknowledges that it was supposed to be Costanza. And then he says, yeah, uh, I yell cut, right? No one answered. I don't know if he said that, but like he 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 knows. I don't know. The Mater D doesn't give any fucks. And I think I just love him even more because of that. <laughs> yeah, I I do too, dude. And then when when George walks back and he's like, he yelled Cartwright, and Jerry's like, "Who's yeah. Cartwright?" <laughs> and he goes, "I'm Cartwright." Yes. So uh, they end up leaving. They're all in a huff. You know, the the movie plans are now shot. They're not going to make the movie, uh, and so they walk out of the door. And of course, perfect, you know, comedic timing. Even though you know this is going to happen, it's still hilarious. Where they leave the door and the Mater D says Seinfeld full right as they have left. Yep, it's I think it's it's great. I mean, even though comedy is sometimes giving the audience exactly what they know is going to happen, but it's still great, and, I, and I'm very happy because of that. Uh, and then we end up with a stand-up bit about cannibalism. <laughs> yes, a, a stand-up bit about cannibalism. Didn't think we were going to say that uh, on a Seinfeld <laughs> podcast. Um, but it, it's great because it actually relates to the episode that just happened. And Jerry says, you know, hunger will make people do, uh, you know, amazing things. Just look at cannibalism. And they said, uh, this is good. Who is this? I like this person. And he, he even kind of got grossed out by it, too. And the audience kind of got grossed out. I like that. I liked how there was like a little bit of a, a of a you know pushback from Jerry even at his own joke I liked that um, and then he said the hardest thing about being a cannibal is getting a good night's sleep he's like you hear something you're like who are you what do you want are you hungry <laughs> get out of here and that that was it not not the best but not the worst at the same time yeah I wrote decent I think it's a decent stand up yeah yeah for yeah. sure all right uh, okay let's go into our general discussion on the episode. Uh, Corey, my man, how about you, how about you indulge us with your thoughts on the Chinese restaurant? Top five series favorite. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. one of my absolute favorites, even though it kind of goes against, uh, things that I enjoy about the show, but it, it, it's so well written. It's so fast paced for the fact that it just takes place in one location there it's remarkable how many jokes and how many sort of scenarios they're able to do in that little location it's it's truly remarkable i absolutely loved it james hong is amazing uh everyone's amazing i wish kramer was in this episode but at the same time i don't know if it would be the same episode with him in it so mm-hmm. I, I just just take it like it is like this is this is gold gold jerry gold like Anya says, this is effing gold. What about you, buddy? What'd you think? I know that this is an episode that divides some of the fandom. Um, I've seen people who absolutely hate this episode and they don't, they don't think it fits probably because it, you know, doesn't have some of the regular stuff 
uh, that other Seinfeld episodes have. But that's probably why I like it a little bit more. I think, honestly, this episode is same as you. This is a top-tier series episode. This is in probably my top five, easily my top ten, but probably in my top five somewhere. What makes this episode so great to me is that it is a masterclass in writing. It's not... They don't need different actionable plot points to kind of like, you know, you don't need action things to happen to move forward. I mean, you have some of that, but there is just so much fantastic writing that this goes into this one scene, this one, uh, this one location. This is a masterclass in that. As I said, I don't know. I absolutely fucking love it. And also, as I brought up before, I think every character, I mean, the, the, all three of the characters, I think Jerry, George and Elaine are so perfectly in their character in this spot. And this is this was shot fairly early in the season, and we'll talk maybe more about that later on uh, in our wrap-up for this season. But, you know, this they are... Elaine is, you know, she is... She's a feminist, which we see in this one as well, but she's also... She can be a scary person. And that is something that I like about Elaine because she's she can be... You know, you don't want to fucking cross Elaine. She can be scary as hell. And she has that aspect just on lock in this episode. George is the frugal, neurotic George perfectly. And Jerry's kind of like, you know, the middle of the road guy, but also he loves, he loves, he's a, he's the most relatable to us. Cause you know, he likes to antagonize his friends. He also likes to make his quick little, you know, sarcastic, sarcastic comments all the time. And I think they're all just fantastically um, in character for this episode. So I think it encapsulates all of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The characters are so just realized here. And uh, watching like some of the behind the scenes on this episode, the um, the suits, <laughs> you know, the execs, mm-hmm. they did not like this episode. Uh, they were it was one of those things where they almost didn't make it. Um, and then like the, the conceit behind the scenes was they were like, OK, you guys can make it. But we we you go for it. But we do not like sign off on this, essentially, which mm-hmm. is it's nice that they they had the you know they they actually let them make it you know nbc actually mm-hmm. let them uh make it but they were not uh not thrilled with it and but looking back on it um even larry david and jerry seinfeld said uh that this is this is the episode that kind of shifted seinfeld in the zeitgeist uh mm. to, to, like i think if I'm not 100% sure, but I think Seinfeld wasn't like an instant hit. It took kind of like season two Mm. to kind of get the gears going. And I think it kind of like found its traction in the uh, in the like the hiatus period in between seasons two and season three and like with reruns and stuff during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it built up traction then. And from my understanding from from the creators is that the Chinese restaurant was like kind of the tipping point that pushed people into really real life. Seinfeld. I think it's just because it's so relatable. I think it's because this yeah. episode is 100% relatable, and uh, which is a testimony to the fact that because uh, Larry David pretty much came up with it when he was waiting for Chinese food with Jerry Seinfeld, and they were waiting for like 30 <laughs> minutes or something. He's like, this is a show. It's just us or yeah. whoever waiting for, you know, a few, you know, the entire time, and then you just make your observations and you do stuff. Uh, genius. It's, it's genius. It is. I mean, the way you put it, like, you know, the Seinfeld zeitgeist when you think of like one phrase about Seinfeld, it's show about nothing. And this episode fantastically encapsulates show about nothing. Just people waiting for their Chinese, you know, meal or waiting to sit down. And it's not that it's a show about nothing. The way you put it, it is 
it's a very relatable show. And that's why we think that there's no story going on, but there's so much fucking story going on. And, you know, th- th- I think that's what that's what makes this episode so great because it is. It pushes you towards that show about nothing. And that's why uh, it really, in my opinion, is a classic episode. And, you know, it should be in most people's top five. And that's why I gave it. I gave it a 4.5 out of five Skyburgers, uh, which is the highest rating I've given an episode so far. I like to leave a little room for perfection. I very, very, I may, I, I may never give any, a single episode a five out of five. Um, I think the only thing that could have maybe get, gotten it a little better if they could have somehow effectively written Kramer in there, um, just because, you know, I love the K-Man. Uh, like yeah. everybody does. Yeah, and, and apparently it was because his character was still, uh, you know, like house-ridden. Like, he doesn't leave his apartment at that point. That's what his character oh. was. Um, and that evolved over the course of this yeah. season. But it's this episode was actually earlier. And we'll talk about the, the differences mm-hmm. between the shooting run and the, how they aired when we do our wrap-up episode. Yeah. But that was the reason, the 100% the reason Michael Richards was not in it was because Kramer, at the time, was a shut-in. He never left his apartment. Okay. Cool. Which we talked about that before, and I'm super glad that yeah. they wrote, they changed that about his character because <laughs> it's just too yes. good. Too good. Because him him interacting with other things is super important. Now, granted, that is a weird thing that they that you've mentioned because we've seen him leave his apartment already in this show. Yeah. Uh, he left, he, he went to go, you know, get the uh, the statue back. Yep. Shit like that. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe and, and maybe that's because maybe that episode was meant to air later. And maybe that was the thing that kind of brought him back into the, the real world to help his friend get a statue back. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll have to look through that. We'll break that down in our season uh, breakdown episode. But uh, that is interesting. That's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're that's something we're going to let's track that uh, in two episodes and uh, we'll track cool. when Kramer basically we'll try to figure out what episode Kramer uh, leaves his apartment, decides to leave his apartment. OK. Uh, all right. We have talked plenty about the Chinese restaurant. A fantastic episode. My man, Corey, where can they find you out on this crazy internet? Yes, sir. You can find me every other week on Podcasting After Dark. It's uh, it's on the BFOP network, the same network that Cartwright is on. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you know, the usual places. But basically, me and my buddy Zach just talk about uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s cult horror and sci-fi action movies. You know, movies like Heavy Metal and, and uh, Terror Vision and Hardware stuff like that life force you know the movies that your parents didn't want you watching as a kid so we have fun with it <laughs> the movies that a lot of us didn't watch when we yeah, were kids, yeah. but some people did and y'all are those people exactly exactly it's supposed to be a nice uh compliment to the the show that adam and his brother are on uh called blast from our past podcast yeah it's a very similar format uh to the one that uh we both do uh ours is more more mainstream movies and things like that from nostalgia based. We also do uh, album reviews and top ten episodes and a lot of nostalgia based things. We have our man Corey on there fairly often. So if you like this podcast, check out those two podcasts. Uh, there is so much for you if you like the world of nostalgia. Check out everything on the Blast from Our Past Network. That's right, buddy. And while you're out there surfing the webs, if you could please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. That is truly one of the the best things for uh, for people to find us. Um, it actually helps in the like 
like the search algorithm or whatever. You know, basically we'll, we'll show up for more people if you guys uh, drop those reviews for us. And we do appreciate every single one of them that you guys have left so far. They've all been wonderful and uh, you guys are awesome. And make sure that you follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're there, uh, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Mm-hmm. Please do. All right. And we will catch you guys next week. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.